Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. Liz and I are uh, so thankful and grateful that we can share with you and, and get these chairs in order. But um, we, this is our first time we've really ever shared quite like this, and so it's a learning curve for us. So we thank you for your mercy and uh, just helping us along and sticking with us and, and receiving from what the Lord has revealed to us. And so last week, um, we talked about, just started talking about marriage and really how to have a, a successful home. And, and uh, what that starts with is having a successful marriage. And how many of y'all know that if a marriage is not in order, then the family is not going to be in order. And so God really cares about families as a whole, but he cares about the marriage. And so we just talked about last week about, and if you haven't heard that, you can go and listen to the podcast, but um, we talked about really our identity is the thing that's been under attack. And so if we can understand the difference between our identity and our function is going to help us tremendously because what we do is not who we are. Who we are are sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. What we do is our function. And so we just talked about that. Next week, we're going to get into talking about more about family um, and some uh, fun things concerning kids and raising kids and developing a healthy home culture, those kind of things. But today, what we're going to talk about is, is how to have a successful marriage. And really, that is the question. It's also the topic of what we're going to discuss today. But so how to have a successful marriage. And this is a, a really good question. And uh, in my years in working in my business, usually would try to avoid telling people that I was a pastor, not that I was ashamed of it, but I don't, I don't like to carry around like that. I'm the pastor or minister card, but just, just be a believer when I'm out in the world and just love on people. And, but it, it always seemed that it went that way because people were interested in my business and how I got into it and why I was doing it. And, and they asked, they usually asked me, so do you do this full time? And then I said, no, I'm a pastor part time. Then now it's full time. And I had this guy and he had not, he and his wife had not been married, um, very, very long. And so when he heard I was a minister, then he started kind of going down the track of, of religious talk or, you know, spiritual things. And so he said, uh, he, he started talking about marriage and he said, so I guess the secret to having a, a happy or successful marriage is you just got to find a good gal. And he still owed me money, so I didn't want to tell him he was a complete idiot, but that's what I was thinking in my mind. I was thinking that's got to be one of the dumbest things that I've ever heard in my life. Because when it comes to having a successful marriage, it's not about one person being good. And in other words, he was saying, and honestly, this guy, you could tell he was living a really kind of messed up life just from things he was saying. And he worked in a casino, which is in a great environment and all that stuff. And so he was just putting all the responsibility back on her to be good, and that's what would make a good marriage. How many of y'all know that sometimes marriages have one person that's awesome and one person that's not so awesome? I know. You, you know all about that? Is that on? Is that on? Oh, you need to use the other microphone because that one, actually just turn her up a little bit. It's fine. You're not on. I'm not on. I'm glad yeah. you weren't on for that because that's going to be on the recording. See, technology can make you or break you. It's, it's great to have the recording, but it'll keep every bad thing you ever say. So but that's, why I do, well, that's why I do the podcast myself because I'm like, you know what? I didn't really want to say that, so let's delete that out. So anyway, so um, yes, marriages, sometimes marriages have one person that does a great job and the other person doesn't do such a great job. The reality is, is that both parties are responsible if things don't work out. Maybe only 1% your fault and 99% the other person's fault, fault, but it always takes two people. Amen. And so it's just learning our part, learning our responsibility, and being humble and learning how to, how to work those things out. And so, but with that, that guy's saying what I believe to be one of the most ridiculous things that I've ever heard concerning marriage, it, it did bring me down a track of understanding something that, that I'm awesome. you're, you're still, we can't hear you in the microphone. Get the other microphone, please. Someone give it to her. Sorry, I'm not trying to see. We see where the problem is. Get the other microphone. <laughs> when I'm up here, I'm just like this. I want to go like that. So try that, please. Okay. That's there better. We okay, go. we can hear you now. So. All right. I forget what I said. You're awesome. Oh, I'm awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I have had a rough way to go in my life because, it, because it's. Because I'm oh, awesome. It's, no, it's because. It's because. Well, yes, I guess that's probably what it is, but my family has always liked and loved her really more than they have, they have me. It's true. It's true. 
I want to be serious for a second. So on the note of that guy saying the thing that he did um, really made me, made me think about that and made me think really about how, how uh, what an amazing gal is what he said. You got you to find a good gal. And I'm going to tell you something. I didn't find a good gal. She basically... I basically tracked you down. Yeah, tracked me down and stalked Roped me. you and pulled you in. Yes. Yeah, and that's didn't exactly. let you go. So anyways, um, but looking back, I believe... And I, I know, not just believe, but I know I'm fully persuaded that the Lord brought her into my life. And because I had a, I was not very smart, but I had a really good heart, God protected me in terms of my marriage relationship. And I, I'm not saying that that's the right way to go about it, because there, and we're going to get into this more next week, talking about teens and dating, and we're going to share some things with you that will, will help you and bless you, or unless you're a teen, you may not like it so much. But anyways, we really did th- some things really, really backwards and caused a lot of years of heartache for us that we could have avoided if we had just sought the Lord first. That's, right. yeah. that's what we really should have done. But in the, live and learn. You live and learn. And so in the mix of all of that, when we were in high school, so we started... Um, dating or whatever when we were 15. And um, make sure to hold that microphone up there, please. I want them to hear you. Um, Maybe, depends on what you're going to say. But um, so we didn't get married till we were 22. And um, it was a a long seven years. We'll get into more of that down the road. But I have in my office, I have a package of letters that she wrote me, almost all of them in high school. I probably have at least 100 of them in there. And at least, and I know I didn't re- reciprocate that many letters. I probably had a I handful. Know, I can't find all your letters. They, yeah, they probably, you probably couldn't I read th- them anyways because my handwriting was so awful, still is awful. But so, but I was going back and I was looking at some of these letters and I was blown away by the gal, by the one that the Lord gave me, even all of those years ago, the wisdom that she was operating in. And on the back of one of these letter, letters, we don't know how this happened, um, I got a letter from an, another girl um, <laughs> on the back of this letter from Liz. And so, um, actually... I think I wrote on the back of it because probably I didn't have any paper. You did. You did. Hers was March 31st, 1998, and yours was uh, April 1st, 1998. And so, anyway, she wrote this letter. And in the letter, it was actually to Liz and I both. But w- we don't even really remember I, this. I but Liz remember and I, in all. high school according to what she, was, she had written here, that we ministered to her about her relationship problem that she was having with her boyfriend or whatever. We encouraged her to seek God and to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him what to do and all these kind of things. We did that together. And I'm we like, rocked. oh my gosh, that was all of those years awesome. ago. So anyways, it was a sign. <laughs> but on, and, and when you read this as if I was any person to be giving any kind of advice on relationships, right? absolutely <laughs> not. When I was younger... I was one of the most, and even when we got married, but especially before we got married, I was so broken and did not realize it. We both really both We both were really broken and didn't realize it, Um, but me really more so than her. And I I had a background of living out of a place of rejection, and that caused me to be very controlling. And when we were when we were dating, and even in, I would say the first, maybe the first year of our marriage, but I moved, I grew up in the first year quite a bit. But when we were dating, I was so controlling and so jealous. And I would do things that would, to, in order to try to get a reaction from her, just to affirm her love for me. Now, I didn't consciously go through all of that thought process, but that was the reality of how, that was my MO. That was just how I operated. And so I was, I mean, you never knew who, what Kent was going to walk into school that day. And I so, knew you were troubled. I said that last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, you said that last week from what you read years ago. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or what you wrote years ago. That's yeah. exactly right. I was, I was very troubled. And, um, but somebody that is operating in a place of rejection, oftentimes you'll find them operating in, in double-mindedness. And it's because they just can't figure out how to just be. They always have to have that reassurance of people loving them, liking them, and so on. So that was me. 
So I, I was reading through um, the letters, and I haven't even read through all of them, but I found a couple of them here. I'm just going to read. Uh, one's real short, and I'm just going to read a little bit of the other one, uh, just, I just, just because I have the microphone and I can. And so, um, Apparently, I wrote letters instead of learning, I guess. Oh, yeah, because most of the letters <laughs> are like, I'm really bored in biology class. You know, I just thought about something. So I found one of the letters that said that um, this one girl cheated off of her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was very upset. Yeah. So is it, and so she blamed this girl ranking higher than her in the class because she cheated off of her because they were like neck and neck as far as their GPA. They did that to us on purpose. They put us like in classes together to make us. Okay. But my point is, is that you blame this girl for being lower than her all of these years. But I'm reading all these letters that says, I'm so bored in class. I'm just writing. Maybe you should have studied a little bit harder, huh? Maybe. She was daydreaming about me. I All right, so here you go. I want to read this letter to you. It says, Kent, I hate sitting here knowing you are upset with me, and I have somewhat of an, and, and I have, oh, I have somewhat of an idea why, but you said what I think wasn't all of it. All's I can say, all's is not a word, by the way. All I can say is I'm sorry, so very sorry that you have to go through the day and classes upset with me control and manipulation. I hope you can find, uh, find it in your heart to forgive me for the trouble I have caused you. Please don't finish going through the day upset or mad at me. I can't say I'm sorry enough and still hope you forgive me for all the heartache I've caused you. What did I do? And this, this, is, this is the thing. Nothing. Is that this, uh, the stack of letters that I have are a dime a dozen. Yeah. She she wrote me so many letters like this because I was so broken that our relationship before we got married consisted of me controlling her with my emotions. And she was so steadfast. And I look back and I see how steadfast she was even before we got married that everyone from the outside looked and said, you, you were obsessed with him. I mean, really, they, they really said that. And my family even had this thing about, you know, the stalker. Here's the stalker. The stalker's here. That's so mean. And so it, and it, and it, it seemed that way. But, you know, it really, it really became a reality to me that she genuinely had something in her heart that God put there yeah. for me. And I'm telling you, in this next bit of letter here I'm going to read reveals this. I hope you guys kind of enjoy this. I enjoy it. I've, I feel blessed. It says, Dear Kent, I just thought I would drop, and this is April 30th, 2000, so this is a couple of years later. I just thought I'd drop you a line. I hope our communication is still open. Oh, I look at that and I think, my God, what did I do that would make her write this? Well, I know what I did. I broke up with you like eight times or something like that. But anyways, that was a rough senior year. When, bro- when I broke up, and I'm just going to tell it like it is, when I broke up with her one of the multiple times, my grandpa, my mom's dad, said to my mom in private, which my mom then told me, and I quote, what the hell is wrong with that boy? <laughs> His grandpa really liked me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so did my cousin, though, too, but anyways... Because I heard, well, if Kent's not going to go out with her, I might like to. But anyways. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, well. <laughs> I wanted to make sure we were good and married before I told you. <laughs> okay. So this morning at church, we were singing a song, and it really got me in the heart. It opened my eyes and helped me to be reassured I hope that it will also do the same for you. You may even know it or know how to play it, which would be great for you uh, because I know that it would encourage you. Here are the words. I know they don't mean much on paper, but you know how to use them. And here's the song, the chorus. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. He will uh, hold me closely to his side with love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. He will make a way. And then she went on to write. That's good. Times seem to be rough, and there feels like no way for them to get fixed. 
the truth gets jumbled. But if we have faith and learn and lean not on our own understanding, he will make a way. The way right now, uh, what does that say? The way, might. My, oh, the way might not be soon, but as long as we endure with patience, he will make a way. Kent, there are too many people in this world who truly need you. You're a world changer, and there's nothing you can do to change that. You should be thrilled. It's a hard role to play, and I know things seem unbearable at times, but hang on because the valleys don't last forever. If you hang on to God and draw near to him wholeheartedly working for something so wonderful, you'll make it. Wow. <laughs> That's going to make me tear up. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> she, she is more awesomer than, than what I realized. And, and, I, and here I was going through whatever I was going through, just emotional nonsense probably. And I put her through, and her family watched this. I put her through, through hell. And she loved me all the way through it. And not only did she love me, she encouraged me all the way through it. So going back to what the guy said that I thought was so dumb, it really was, but it also kind of wasn't. When you find a great man, you will always find behind a great man an even greater woman. Amen. And so let me encourage you women, if your man is not doing things right, pray for him. Yes. Encourage him. Strengthen him with everything that you have in you. And there's a promise in 1 Peter chapter 3 that it says that if, if wives having husbands um, who are not believing, it says that they can be won over without a word simply by the conduct of, of the wife. And so we have this tremendous promise that when, and it always seems like women are always more on target with God than, than men are. Not always, but it usually seems to work that way. And so let me tell you, ladies, if you're believing for your husband, you keep believing for your husband. And yeah, I had a heart for God, but I was a broken mess. I was really screwed up. I could go in, I could tell you about all of the bad things I've done and it would discourage every one of you. You'd probably never come back. But, um, you know, I just wasn't, I mean, I was a good person and I did love God, but I had so many issues and she always stuck with me. This has nothing to do with our teaching, but I just wanted to share this before we got into it. Yeah, so. that's good. That's really sweet. And one thing that the Lord just actually showed me, um, because, you know, sometimes we, we get in this place where uh, we want to put the focus back on ourselves and... Um, and not really understand our role in our marriage. And I, I was reading in Proverbs, and something stuck out to me. It was Proverbs thirty-one twenty-seven. It says, she watches over the ways of her household. Mm -hmm. And that actually word watches is the same word that they used when they talked about watchmen on the wall. And so we are the watchmen on our walls. And if we are focused on ourselves, then we cannot see what is going on. And we are called, just as he was saying, to pray for our husbands. And if we aren't watching and taking guard over him, then who is? Yeah. And then that then allows the enemy to come in and rob you yeah. and, and be a thief and take away your abundant life because that is what we're after. So, like, that was very eye-opening to me to just know that I am a watchman on the wall of my home and so that I need to keep and keep in that place and take guard and watch. Yeah. And yeah, pray amen. for my husband and pray for my children. Amen. Yeah. I heard a minister say one time, and it stuck with me, that, that men are born to lead, but women are born with intuition. And God has gifted wives mothers to be able to see and sense things going on in a home that most of the time just go right over the guy's head. I mean, I can, I can walk in and, you know, have not a clue of what's going on. Um, and she can, you know, she can, she knows everything that's going on and even vice versa. If I'm there and she's gone, she can walk in and just like intuitively know what's going on. And so women are, are born to be watchmen in their homes. Right. And I have learned, listen to me, men, I have learned, and if you don't do this, you're a fool. Can I say that? Yeah. 
God has gifted your wife with the ability to see and discern things that are going on. And if you take a husband and a wife and you take the discernment and the leadership, you can make that home go any direction that the Lord yeah, wants it to go. That's good. There's not anything that the enemy brings against us that we don't overcome. But it's, it's not me just going, oh, I'm going to lead. I go, what are you seeing? What are you sensing? What are you right. hearing? I, I've learned to trust and honor the, what she hears from the Lord and how she hears from the Lord. Yeah. But the, on the flip side, the leadership that I have, that she can, she can see something and try to change it, and it's like it doesn't change in the home. But when I see it and go, praise God, thank you, Lord, for revealing that to her, I can take it and almost in an instant change the entire atmosphere or the direction of the home. I'm born to lead. Men are born to lead. You want to know why? The enemy has attacked marriages and in specific husbands, men, so hard. Statistically, there are way more women in church than there are men. And that's because the church cannot be what it's called to be and, the, and go in the direction that it needs to go in. And I'm not talking about the local church. I'm talking about the bride of Christ, the universal church cannot be what it's called to be without men taking their rightful position. This is why I believe that there is a new day coming for men, yes. that we're on the horizon of a new day where instead of the women trying to drag the men to church, the men are going to drag the women and the family. In fact, they won't have to drag them. That's the thing. When the man says, I'm on board and I've got a heart after God, the family's like, all right, okay. this is where we're going. And yeah. they reap all of the blessings of what the man's doing. Yeah. God made it that way. He set it yes. up that way. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So we're going to get into talking about um, what we really wanted to share, although all that was really good too, um, about how to have a successful marriage. And so the first thing we need to do is just define what is success. Gen and just generally speaking, what is success? And just a really simple definition of success is achieving goals, all right? So if, you, if you're going to be successful in any area, what it looks like is that you achieve your goals. So then you back up a little bit more. And if you're going to be successful in marriage... You have to achieve your goals, but you have to have goals yeah, before was, you can achieve them. Yeah, and I was going to say this was really good because it actually made us think about what our goal was when we were sitting and talking about this and said, if you're going to be successful, you have to have a goal. And I was like, well, what is our goal? Because yeah. we've never necessarily defined it on paper or said it out loud, even though it's something that we work towards. But it's good to actually like sit and say, what is our goal? But yeah. Here's the goal. Yeah, so a goal really is just a vision. And so Habakkuk right. tells us that, that uh, write the vision down, make it plain so that he who sees it can run with it, right? That's right. And so we've, we've written this down and in, in really in developing this series on marriage and family, um, we came up with, and we shared this last week, we're going to share it again. This is really our goal with you all, but it's also our, our goal for our home, which yeah. is to, to create, to help create healthy, blessed, kingdom-minded, productive families. And in the family, you also talk about marriage, right? Because that's part of the family. So the way we interpret that is that we, we are, Liz and I are working together to create a healthy, blessed, kingdom-minded, productive family. And every one of those words is very important because you can have people that are productive, that, that do things in society and that pay their bills or whatever, but then the relationship aspect in the home life is terrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've met people that on the outside, it looked like they had everything going, going right for them. And then you go in their home and they bicker and they fight and, and it's, and it's very, you know, very unhealthy. And so, and then also just the aspect of being kingdom minded in there, there's no reason to yeah, I'll just say that. There's no reason to exist. No, I'm not going to say it like that. The reason we exist as a family, as any family, is to have a mindset of understanding and expanding the kingdom of God. Yes. He, he's all about kingdom. And even when you look in the natural in the Garden of Eden, that the garden was their kingdom. And he said, be fruitful and multiply it, subdue the earth. And so the goal was, is that the kingdom that he had established for them to oversee was that they were supposed to advance that kingdom. Well, you look spiritually, that's what families, that was a family, right? That's what families are supposed to do is advance the kingdom of God together. Yeah. Yeah. So that really is, is our goal. So then the question comes in is how 
do you have a successful marriage? Like, what are the steps? What are the things that are involved in achieving that goal? Whatever your goal might be, and I encourage you, find, hear the Lord and write a goal down for your family, for your home. And even if you're a single mom or a single dad or whatever, it's no problem. You, you take charge in your home and you write the goal down. You write that vision down. So, but what are the things that we need to do specifically in marriage for our marriages to be successful. And so we've come up with, we've comprised um, eight different, we'll just call them like wisdom, practical wisdom, um, nuggets, steps, whatever you want to say. We've comprised like eight things that we feel have really helped us in our relationship be successful. And I, I want to I say this, that when it comes to being successful, it is just what we wrote out, but we do not have it all figured out. No. As a matter of fact, between last week and this week, we had some, and that's what happens when you're out in front, you're going to get shot at first. Yeah. And we had a, a couple days in there where that were hellacious. And it was a rough week. I know. And so after she called the cops on me and <laughs> no, I was kidding. So, but we had, we just had some Praise things. God for yeah. that. No, I didn't do that. We just had some things hit us that, that we had to work through. And so, man, we don't have it all figured out, but we have some things figured out and we've been able to communicate and work through things together. And that's what's caused us to be successful. You know, our home, we say this to people often, that our home is very peaceful. It's not quiet, no, but it is very peaceful. And so we've got four boys and it's, I mean, it's sometimes uh, WWE, even on Sunday morning or whatever. It's just, it's loud. There's a lot going on, but there's a peace that's in the home. The atmosphere of heaven is there. And it's because we really work towards these right, things. Right, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I would say from this week, because I was asking the Lord, I was like, oh, what is happening? And, you know, just like he said, when you put yourself out there in front, then obviously you're going to get on attack or have attack. But he said, you know, you forgot to just posture yourself before me. And so I, I just that that's a really good nugget that I would say that if you're under attack, don't stay under attack. Recognize it for what it is mm -hmm. and then just change your posture. Don't stay and say, oh, I'm getting beat up say no and then you know for me the lord just said if you you know just put on some worship music in your home because that actually creates a different atmosphere and he said if you would have done that you would have had the victory that you needed yeah amen. so and we would have gotten it quicker we got right, it but it, we did yeah yeah it would have come quicker come yeah quicker. yeah you know the thing so. is when it comes to when it comes to like fighting not with each other but with you know the fighting the fight of faith the lord uh we're not waiting on the lord he's waiting on us yes. so as soon as we cooperate with him then we begin to walk in his victory. And yeah. so after so many hours, if you'll just, of, of having issues, if you just stop and go, all right, we're going to nip this thing in the, in the butt and we're going to, we're going to have victory here. You'll have victory. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Definitely. So here's number anyway. one. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's it. All right. Here's number one of the eight, we're going to call them practical, practical wisdom keys. That sounds like a good term for it. So here's number one, number one, this might be the most important thing. As a matter of fact, we had set out for this week and the Lord changed it all. We were going to talk about communication, sex, and money. And I was like, I don't really want to talk about sex. And she's like, I really don't want to talk about that either. So we'll leave that, we'll leave that for another day. And so anyways, and all the teenagers are like, whew, thank God they stayed away from that. So those are three areas that marriages have a lot of trouble in communication, sex, and money. And what we've come to find out is that if you can get the communication part down pat, most of the time, the other areas in your marriage will fall, yeah. will fall into Definitely. place. Yeah. So number one, here's number one, is that you need, we need to have productive communication in all areas. And the word productive there is key. Because there's a lot of communication that takes place in a home that is not productive. Yes. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. And the truth is about communication is that communication is both verbal and nonverbal. So we do a lot of talking, but even people that stop talking to each other because they're in a, in a tizzy or they're fighting or whatever, and they're in the home together there's a lot of communication going on, even if there's no words that are being spoken. Right, walking around, slamming doors, shutting cabinets really hard, whatever, grumbling underneath your breath, you yeah. know, those kind of things. Not to point out anything in specific, but you know, those kind of things. And so, <laughs> so yeah, some people do those kind of things. 
Not us. Yeah. So productive communication in all areas is very important. So you have to begin to set, first of all, understand where each other are at in terms of your ability to communicate. Right. And then set some healthy boundaries and steps, a, a platform, if you will, for being able to communicate. And so understanding where we were at when we first got married, like probably in the first like six months, although we were together for seven years, we thought I would have figured this out. But when we got married, um, we, I really began to see that I naturally, I was a very good communicator and naturally she was not a very good communicator. Not at all. Right. Yeah. So when we would go to talk things out, it was like we were speaking two different languages. So if we were talking about money or we were talking about a relationship or we were talking about any, just anything that had to do with us, which is everything, because when you get married, you become one, right? right. So what affects one affects both of you. And so when the communication is broken down, you can't effectively work through anything in your life. And so we had to really begin to understand our strengths and our weaknesses concerning that. Yeah. And when we did, it really helped us go to the next level in our, in our relationship. Right. Yeah. Well, and one thing that I would, I would like to point out towards communication and it being productive is um, your, the, the internal dialogue that you have going on mm. in your head. Because a lot of times, just like we were saying, there's a lot of nonverbal communication, and there's something, there's always something that is going on in your head, the things that you're saying that will either make you have productive communication or non-productive communication. And so I, I would just actually, you know, commission you to actually start looking at this internal dialogue that's going on in your head and sometimes writing it out so you can actually see it. Because if you're having problems in communication, a lot of times, what is it that you're saying towards your spouse? How is it that you're viewing them? Are you saying, like, they don't help me, they're not around, what are they doing? They get time all the time to themselves, I'm at home, I'm doing all this. And all of a sudden, then, you've already stirred up some things, and you're already upset and hurt and offended. And so when you go to talk to them, you're like, what are you doing? What's going on? Did you have a good day? Because I've been at home all day with the kids. And so then that actually, he's like, I'm done. Where is this coming from? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? And so, you know, we have to actually then stop that and turn and actually start being grateful and thankful, having a gratitude, a heart of gratitude and saying, I am thankful that I have a, I mean, just the simplest things, like I have a roof over my head. I have food in my belly. My husband, he is going and he is providing and he's working all day and I don't even know what's going on all day. And actually then when you start saying that, that could actually stop you to be like, I'm just going to pray for him really quick. Yeah. And that actually then changes your heart towards him. And then when he gets home or whenever it's time that you actually need to communicate, probably actually that will diffuse a lot of the situations when you have a heart of gratitude um, that you don't, there's not a problem or you whatever. You really don't even have to communicate. Right, yeah. but that'll actually then make your communication really well because yeah. you've changed your own heart. In yeah. It. yeah, so you wouldn't have to communicate about those problems right, right. because a lot of them get diffused just, right. by, just by processing things properly right. through prayer and, and proper meditation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's good. One thing also that we've learned about men and women is how, um, is how they process. So we all use our, our brains. We all use our, our minds. But men are more internal processors and women are more external processors. This is why men, when you get home, and basically you just want to go and check, check out and veg out, which what guy in here can relate to that when you come home from work? It's like, that's what I want to do. And how many women can relate that when your man comes home, you just want to sit and talk about everything going on in your day, this, that, and the other. And it's like, so you have these two completely opposite like uh, ways of communicating and ways of processing um, that don't go well together. Well, so this, what, what happens is that when you find how the, the woman is made and how the man is made and you learn how to harmonize that together, it causes the love to grow stronger between because she knows that about me and I know that about her. So when she hears me uh, come home, right, she knows that I'm home, um, then she knows that I'll take the time to go, how was your day? How were the kids? And good, bad, or indifferent, I'm willing to just hear what she's got to say. Um, she knows that, that that's me loving her intentionally. Yeah. And so that's 
God actually made it that way to where we process things differently. And one's more external, one's more internal. Well, when we choose to let those walls down for the other person and vice versa, when there's, there's been days that have been rough and lots of times I'll text her and I'll be like, been on the phone for six hours today. Well, she'll just know that when I get home, she's not going to ask me 20 questions Maybe not the first 30 minutes, but maybe, you know, an hour or something. I know because talk. as women, we like to ask a lot of questions because we are invested and we want to know what's going on. So it's not necessarily that we're questioning. It's just that we have a lot of questions yeah. to ask. But sometimes you have to know when to ask the questions. And usually it's not right when the husbands get home. <laughs> Amen to that. So that's good. Um, so let's move on to number two. So here's number two. Uh, number two is that we have to learn to value the other person and their desires more than our own. Mm, that's really good. Really simple, but really profound. I made this statement last week, and I've made it several times since then because I thought this is, this is actually really good. A successful marriage is two, two dead people living together. Yeah. Naturally, we just have the, the, the desire to be selfish. Yeah. Yeah, we come out of the womb. If you think about it, you come out of the womb screaming and crying and feed me, change me, hold me, whatever it is. That's how we come out of the, the womb. And if we didn't have anyone train us out of selfishness, we go right into a marriage remaining selfish. And a lot of people, especially if they're not raised in a, a proper home, they're not taught, you're being selfish. You need to stop being selfish. You're only thinking about yourself. And then they grow up, they get married, and they get into a marriage and they still act like they did when they first came out of the womb. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so this is a big problem in marriage when people just really are after their own desires. And that's what one of the big things about that. And that makes a marriage beautiful is when you lay down your, your wants and desires and say, you know, what, what do you want? That's really important. And so we've, I found this that sometimes it doesn't work because I'll be like, where do you want to eat? I don't care. Just wherever you want to eat. <laughs> Yeah, well, those kind of things. I like you to lead in those decisions, and then I'll follow. Yeah, yeah. So it's really important. And here's the thing is that what you value, um, you invest into. Yes. It's true. So here's a good question. What do you spend your time, money, effort, and energy on? Because that will actually show you what you value. That's tight, but it's right. What, what do you spend your time, money, effort, and energy on? Because what you, where you, the answer that lies is you'll, you'll figure out what you value. Yeah. What, you're, it, what you're putting your time and money and effort and energy towards. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So if you really value your spouse, you're going to invest all of those things into them. It doesn't yeah. mean every second of every day, but you're going to specifically take time and money and whatever it is, and you're going to invest into them. And that speaks to them that you care more about how they feel and, and their interests than you do your own. Yeah. And I know like probably, I mean, not even, I would say, or, well, through our whole marriage until probably, I don't know, seven years ago. So half of our marriage, I, I was always had frustration and I couldn't figure out why. And it was towards him. And it was I couldn't figure out why either. <laughs> and it, it didn't come out all the time. But I would see time and time and time after again that he would pray and he would believe God for something and that he would see God meet that need for him or just that want or desire. And it irritated me so bad. And I, I, I mean, that's just, I'm just being honest. And I was like, I, I do so much for this family. I work so hard. And why, why am I not seeing that? And um, actually, I was preparing a children's church lesson. And it, we were just going through what love is. And I got to the point where it says love is um, not envious. And the Lord just, like, dropped down on me. And he put my a finger on it. And he said, you are envious. And because you're envious, it, you know, it says where envy and strife is, there's every evil, there's evil things. Mm -hmm. And that whenever there's evil things, that means your house can be divided and the house divided can't stand. And so the Lord just began to say that he has his own relationship with me. And whenever he is believing God and trust, I mean, believing me and trusting me and asking me for something, you should rejoice with him that he had a victory in that area. You shouldn't be jealous because then you're, I mean, that's selfishness on your part. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that, but it, sh it showed me. I mean, I'm so grateful that the Lord, you know, was able to pinpoint that in me and that 
actually from that point on, whenever um, he would see a need or a want met, that I would just begin to rejoice with him and be thankful. And actually, after that point, then I actually began to see whenever, you know, I believe God for something that I actually saw it, you know, come to pass in my life. And I mean, I can say not once has he ever said to me or, you know, been jealous if God met my need. He was, he's always rejoiced with me. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's good. And the verse you quoted in there out of James was, James. it yeah. says um, we're envying, it actually says we're envying and self-seeking exists. There's confusion in every evil work. So if you find in your marriage that it's like a constant battle of problems and issues and whatever, you need to take a step back and go, okay, am I being envious? Mm -hmm. And I can name you hundreds of occasions where I've been self-seeking. And it's totally opened up the door to the enemy. I mean, that's what that verse says. It says there's confusion in every evil work. That goes to show you the seriousness of, of jealousy and self-seeking and envying those kind of things being there. That absolutely can't have any place in marriage. Yeah. It, it'll destroy a marriage. Yeah. 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 All right, so here's number three is um, be quick to forgive. Really simple, but really profound. Um, we are people. She's got a flesh suit. I have a flesh suit. The same for you and your spouse in the, all the people in your home, you have to be quick to forgive them. Yeah. And this is something, if I've excelled at something spiritually, this might be it. I've learned that, that offense, because see, when you, when you get offended, everybody gets offended, but not everybody keeps offense. There's a right. big difference. Everybody has offense comes towards them, but not everybody keeps it. And the step usually in between getting, getting offense or having offense come to you and holding on to it is not walking in forgiveness. And I heard, I think it was Joyce Meyer said that when you, when you are operating in, in unforgiveness and offense, that it's like, it's like swallowing poison, hoping that it's going to affect the other person. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. So it is dangerous for me to operate in offense, and it's certainly an unforgiveness, and it certainly is for our marriage. And so I've just, as soon as that there's something that needs to be forgiven, which honestly, I, I mean, I'm pretty perfect. Well, so. I don't have to forgive you for a lot, but <laughs> no. you know, but everybody has, kidding. everybody yeah. has their stuff. And so yeah. we, we just make it, we don't leave room for the enemy at all. We say, look, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And then the other person respond, yes, I forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, no too. sometimes just knowing that you know, especially in your, your spouse, is generally a good-willed person, so it's not their intention to hurt you. Right. So if you can have that perspective, then it will be easier for you to forgive. And, and even when they do it intentionally, because you get in the heat of the, sure. the moment or whatever, which we shouldn't, but it happens sometimes, and they say something just, you know, and you know it's a dig, forgive them anyways. Right. I mean, my gosh, is it, is it the, the Lord? Isn't he the example that we have and he's forgiven us even though we don't deserve it? Yes. Amen. Yeah. So we do that in marriage as well. So here's the next thing. We're going to move on down. Um, know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, I mentioned this a little bit last week, so we'll just hit it real quickly and then we'll move on. But, you know, when God created Adam and Eve, he actually, um, see, when he, when, he made, when he had the one person and both male and female were there, you can go read it in the, in the Bible for yourself, both male and female were in Adam, and he took Eve, he took woman out of man. When he did that, it left a hole in man. Holes, I'll say that. It left places that it made him not a whole person. Now, he was an individual, but not a whole person in terms of what could, what could be done in a marriage and done in, done in a family. And so at the same time, when Eve was taken out, it didn't take all of Adam. It only took, he only took parts of Adam. So there are parts here and there are parts here. So where there's parts missing, those are what we call weaknesses. It's not you not being in faith. It's not you um, doing something wrong necessarily, but it's just you don't have everything and the other person doesn't have everything. So learning each other's strengths and weaknesses is extremely important. And so when you, when you do that, you'll learn to go to them like the, the leadership and intuition thing. I'm a great leader. Why? Because I'm a pastor? No, because I'm a man. I'm born to lead. She has tremendous intuition. Why? Because she studied the scriptures for years? No, because she's a woman. She has natural things in her. I have natural things in me that when you combine them, we make an incredibly powerful team. 
And the same for you and your marriage. Right, and not hold each other's weaknesses against each oh, other. Yes. Because, you know, they're not strong in the area and you are. Like when we had trouble with communication and you were strong at communication, you didn't say, you're a terrible communicator, I'm not going to ever communicate with you. You said, let me show you how. Which just means, because I didn't like to talk, I would just hold it all in and then explode or whatever, which my explosions weren't, like, bad, but just... Usually tears. Usually yeah, tears. cry, cry, a lot of crying. Yeah. So, um, you know, you helped me through that. And I'm not real mercy motivated, so it didn't, it didn't work that well. Right, right. <laughs> and I am mercy... Suck it up. In fact, yeah. one time I said, put your big girl oh, pants on and get gosh. over it. That was terrible, but... Probably not I the best thing to, to say, but, you yeah. know... I needed to hear that, but it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I get, like, really upset or discouraged or something, I'll just be like, I'm going to put on my big girl panties, and I'm going to do it. It's going to be good. Because yeah. I don't want my husband to tell me to put on big, big girl panties, so I'm just going to put them on myself. <laughs> That's true. So when you there's – a, there's a verse – I can't get past that. It's, um, there is a verse in the Bible that talks about the, the woman being the weaker vessel, and I didn't really know what that meant for a long time. Um, I heard an analogy recently, and I'll, I'll give the person absolutely no credit for it, even though they're sitting in the room. But I heard this analogy that, um, I'm just kidding, uh, that when it talks about the, the woman being the weaker vessel, we've heard that, and it's like, well, the woman's down here, and she's not as strong as the man, and she can't do what the man can do. Well, there's some truth in that. Physically, men are stronger than women, whatever. But when you look at vessels, you think of like, you know, you think of like a, you know, a coffee cup, and you think of a wine glass. They're both vessels, but they're used to hold different things. So men, so women are, they're maybe more like the wine glass. They're more delicate, and you hold them differently. So they're weaker, but they hold different things that are just equally as powerful as men. Amen. Yeah. So understanding that will really help you be able to, to, to function right and to know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Um, so here's uh, number five is help, uh, help each other keep proper perspective. Mm -hmm. And this is really, really important. You, you both can't afford to be down at the same time. Right. You really, you can't afford to be down at all. At all. Yeah. But if one of you is struggling through something, um, you have to make sure and recognize that and say, okay, I'm not going to let this thing affect me, and I'm going to help pull that other person up. But if you both get in the ditch, then you're in trouble. Right. Yeah. Takes a lot longer to get out. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I've found that so many times that if I have a wrong perspective, which is, it's usually me probably more than her, if I have a wrong perspective that she's good at keeping her perspective right mm -hmm. and will reach down and say, look, you're not seeing this right. You're not thinking about this right. You're into speculation or you're in fear. And then she can say, look, you need to have my perspective because I'm looking at this thing right. right. That's super helpful in a marriage because, you know, uh, people get hit with stuff and we need to be able to be that resource for each other that we can say, look, you're not seeing this right. And at the same time, that one person's willing to do that, the other person has to be willing to receive it. That's right. Marriage is a humility walk. Right. Yeah. Yep. And if you, if you don't walk in humility, then you're going to be humiliated. It's true. Uh, so number six, uh, make time for each other. This is my favorite one because my love Lovely. language is quality time. I yeah. love to spend time. So we have, so this is, I, pl I plan. I, I realize how much this is tied to my love language. I plan our time together to where it's, I've got her, it's me and her. She doesn't think that way. So for an example, I have been thinking like for about a week, we knew yesterday that her and I were gonna go to Cape, we we're gonna do some shopping and spend some time together and um, talk through a lot of these things, all of that kind of combined. And I was thinking we're gonna leave from this time and we're gonna, we're gonna you know, come back home at this time, we have about four hours together. And when we were leaving here, she said, we have to go to Alkev's or Rogers. I said, for what? She said, we needed to feed our children. She said, we don't have any food at home, and the boys need some food. And what went through, my, what went through her mind is I got to take care of the babies. What went through my mind is them puppies are stealing more of the time that belongs to me. <laughs> I, but I didn't even have to go in. I had I just, compassion. We went and bought them food and brought, and brought them some food. So don't worry. Don't even need to call, like, family services on me or anything. So... But um, making time for each other is very, it's right. very important. On both ends. And so, like, we're, we're 
We just get, I mean, life is so busy. And then again, I say what you put your time, money, effort, energy into is what you value. And so you have to value your marriage. And so you have to set aside time for each other. Whatever that looks like. If it looks like you put the kids to bed 30 minutes early or you guys get up 30 minutes earlier together, but just being intentional about having that time together. I've even seen this with people that don't have kids in the home anymore. They don't intentionally make time for each other and you should not do that. Go, you know, it's like people, they, they court and they date and then all of a sudden when they get married, they stop doing that. And as the years grow on, they really stop doing that. Look, men are made to pursue a woman and women are meant to be pursued. If you want to have the spark back in your marriage, men, get on, the, get on it and, and pursue your wife. Right. And <laughs> pursue her in all of the ways that you probably don't think of first. Buy her roses. Take her on a date. If you like to go dancing or whatever and it's proper, take her dancing, whatever. Whatever it is you like to do. Go to the movies. That, m- women are made to want to be pursued like that and men want to do it. So so do it. Don't stop doing that after you get married. It shouldn't decrease. It should only increase when you get married. Yeah. And so this is a, like a kind of a lost art for people that are in that are married. And you need to you need to pursue each other. But the man especially pursue your wife. Pursue that time with her. Make that time with her. You don't have to plan it out as much as I do. Because for me, I've got like all of our our vacation. Like I plan all of our vacations. And because I'll ask her, well, where do you where do you want to go, or what's some places you'd like to see? She's like, well, I don't know. Just I just want to be with do. you. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, but for me, I'm thinking, I'm always thinking, we're gonna get to go do this together. We're gonna spend this time together. We're gonna shut our phones off during this time. And we're just like, that's that's how I think. But um, but just making time for each other really has to be a priority because if you don't make it a priority, life is going to make it a priority for you not to have time together. That's right. So you have to really per- yeah, persevere. Yeah, I just, I just realized like my love language is acts of service. So you actually getting that all done, then I can spend time with you and it appeases both of us. Look at that. We should go on more vacations. Okay. Yeah, anyways, okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, praise God. All right, we're going to hit the last, we're out of time, and so we're going to hit these last two, which are just really crazy important. Um, here's number seven, is manage things so they don't manage you. So in other words, have you ever had your money manage you instead of you manage your money? Or your children. So I'm seeing a couple of head nods no, but most people can relate to being in debt on some level. That's you. That's your money managing you. I'm not against you if you're in debt. We still have some debt we're working on. Not against that. I am against debt, but not against you. But you don't want to have so much debt. You don't want to have so many problems in that way that your relationship gets consumed with those things. You have to learn to manage things before they manage you. Does that make sense? So money is an example. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, your children are an example. And this goes from the time that they're in diapers even to when they're out of, out of your house. Children many times will completely destroy marriages. I don't say they destroy it, but the parents, because they don't manage it properly, those relationships, they end up taking over the, the whole thing. And it brings destructive, destruction in the marriage because the people haven't learned how to manage those relationships and really set boundaries with those right. things. And so I would just say, you know, be intentional. And this is another way of communication. And that's why it's so important to communicate is because you need to probably have goals in these areas and have vision for those areas and then be working towards them together. Because when you set that, then you can always go back to your why. Why is it that we're not going to do this? Or, you know, then you say, well, we're, we're working towards that. So we don't have any money to go on a date. Boo. You know right. what? Go for a walk. Or right. something. I mean, you don't have to spend money to go out on a date. You right. can do something that's free. Unless your wife likes diamonds and fancy dinners. Well. Look at that bling right there, baby. I know. <laughs> but because we have managed our money, we now then are intentional and we set aside money. Did you hear that? Day. She just said she wants another ring. That's, that's what I heard right there. I mean, I, I won't not take one, so. <laughs> And it's our anniversary next week. It is. It's going to be 15 years. Yes. Yeah. So, anyways. It I feels just, like 15 minutes. I'm glad it's, we, we've gone through a lot. I feel like we're, we're doing really, really good. We are. So, I, I don't know that I would want to go back 
to the no. beginning. No, 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 absolutely. Now, one <laughs> other area I want to mention here I think is so important about that we you have to learn to, to manage is just in general. I kind of said this with kids, but in general, other relationships. Yes. I see so many marriages that the people, like part of their problem is mom or dad or friend or whoever that has such an influence on that marriage that it's really bringing dis- disruption. Listen, when you're married, there is not a a physical earthly relationship that is more important than your spouse. Nobody has authority in your marriage beside you and your spouse. And you have to learn to set boundaries, manage those relationships, and not allow them to influence you to detriment in your marriage. Yes. Really important. Yeah. Super important. Here's the last, the last thing here. Um, and this is really, we love talking about this. We spent a lot of time talking about this and thought about doing a whole section on this, but we yeah. just included one just as one of the nuggets. But um, knowing, knowing each other's, that it's important to know each other's needs and roles. Yes. And so this kind of goes back to just really how we're made as men and women. Um, so men have a need and women have a, need, a primary need. We all have, we all have needs but men have a primary need and women have a primary need. And men have a primary role and women have a primary role. And the primary need for men is respect. It's the number one thing that a man needs, that he desires, is to be honored and to be respected in his home. Not, it's not bad. That's a good thing. Yes. God placed that inside of men for that need. A woman's number one need is to be loved nurtured and cared for just all of those kind of, because for men, it's basically one word for women. It's a lot because they're more complicated. So, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. Not really, but anyways, but a woman's basic need is to be, is to be loved and cared yes. for. And for a man, it's, it's to have that respect to come from her. And so the thing is, is that for a lot, a lot of years, I heard wrong teaching that they would, you know, I would hear people say that, you know, like, you know, that, that men are in charge and they're the, the head of the homes and the wife is in submission. But you know, the thing is, is that Jesus is the head of the church and we're supposed to be in submission to him, but he's never had to beat us into submission. He loves us into submission. That's right. It says that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And you know what he did right after he gave himself for the church? And that he rose from the dead, and then he empowered her to the highest position. It's a beautiful picture. That is an awesome picture. Yeah. So, go ahead. Oh, no, I will, go, you go ahead. I was, so, I was going to say, so my role is to fulfill her need. Yes. And her role is to fulfill my need. And, and recognize that, you know, it's our natural ability to give what what's in us so men are they want that respect and so it's natural to give the respect and not give the love and women it's natural for us to give the love but not the respect so we have to actually be intentional with giving the husbands the respect and then them also have to be intentional with giving us love that's exactly and then when you do when you are intentional with that then you see like there's a beautiful thing that happens yeah or you're you're intentionally giving out what doesn't come natural to you. It yes. shows the other person, I care about what you need more than I care about what I need. And so then you get into this beautiful cycle. On the flip side, what happens is that if you don't get into that cycle, you get into another cycle that becomes vicious to where whenever the man is not being loving towards the woman, then she gets hurt by that. And she in turn becomes disrespectful towards the man. And then when he receives that and feels that disrespect, then he in turn becomes unloving towards the woman. And then when she feels unloved, then she, and you see the cycle that you get into. And so it's like the enemy will work the opposite of what the Lord really wants to be there, which is for us to give what doesn't come naturally to us. That is our role. Men, it's our role to love. And when you think about Jesus, the natural thing would have been for the world, for God, for God to just crush the people who had defiled him and had come against him and had served other gods. But he didn't do that. He loved us in our weakness. He made a decision. Instead of saying, I need respect, because doesn't God need respect? Doesn't he deserve all of the honor and respect that there is? 
Absolutely. Jesus deserves all of that, but he didn't demand it. He loved us into respecting him, into honoring him. Yeah. And it works the exact same way in a marriage. That's why that picture is put there in the word. Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. Good stuff. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So would you just pray and just bless them before we get dismissed? That'd yes. be awesome. Lord, thank you so much um, for just your word and for your encouragement, God. Thank you for um, just an awakening in our hearts to just be dead to ourselves, Lord, but to be alive to you, God. And out of the abundance of our, our oneness with you, God, flows beautiful things into the rest of our, our families, into our marriages, into our homes, which then flows into the rest of the world, God. So I just thank you that we just just set our eyes and our attention and our focus on you, God, that we just begin to posture ourselves before you, Lord, and just fall into deeper relationship and in deeper love with you, God. Thank you for the, the wonderful people here, God, for your love, and I just thank you that we're going to have a blessed week and that we just walk in victory because your victory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.